0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse. I just got back from a marvelous trip to Spain. I spent two weeks there. I had a calling to go there and had a very interesting experience. Even in deep Spain, in the north of Spain, I speak little to no Spanish. I ended up a little verklempt trying to communicate in French, Spanish, and English. Finally, I met a translator who spoke six languages, who thought it was very cute that I was stumbling around in three languages, and thank God it was him that was hearing me. (laughs) I did an interview with a nine-year-old girl at a tapas bar, and she made me laugh so hard she couldn't understand me, I couldn't understand her, and we still laughed our heads off. I found the Spanish people to be very warm-hearted, not only hot blooded, but warm hearted. And I had a wonderful time. My greatest reception came in, uh, I'm not going to pronounce this right, Torre Vieja? Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> Just outside of Alicante, Spain, by the founders of the MedB Wellness Center, Simone Siegel and Dr. Machi Manu. They received me and helped me prepare for the rest of my trip. Had a lovely time with them, learned a lot, missed them greatly. And if you're ever in Spain, you should go to that wellness center. They're doing some really, really neat things, very, very neat things. So we are entering summer of 2014, lots going on in the world, and we're going to be returning talking today about something we began in 2012 with Dave Krieger, the author of Clouded Titles, and Ellen Brown, the author of Web of Debt when we revealed to you that the mortgage electronic registration system known as MERS systematically and knowingly infected and participated in the destruction of the U.S. real estate market and property laws and how property owners never saw it coming. Well, I got a email from our guest today, Donna Steenkamp from South Africa, whereby she explained to me how the same thing Dave Krieger was talking about with the clouded titles happened to her. She and her entire family lost their home. She became totally learned in law, in securities, in all these areas to be able to bring a whole system's approach to remedy the situation. She had her home illegally confiscated from her by the banks. Now, she created a three-step system, which is patented, And also, she has an organization called the Independent Title Review Certification Registry, ITRC, which is set up to be able to help other people retain their homes and their properties. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Donna Steenkamp to its rainmaking time. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's a traumatic event to have your home confiscated from you. Lay out what actually happened, though. What is the scenario happening in the United States? We owned property in Evergreen, Colorado,
1: that we just thought it was our dream home. And when we bought it, we had no idea that there were such problems with the property. Um, we wound up having, finding out after a drunk driver hit a wall and we went down to pull permits that every single thing about the property was completely illegal and that what was reflected in county record was completely inaccurate. And we wound up having our property uh, taken by a very large bank in an illegal foreclosure with fabricated documents, a, um, an overappraised value of 100000 more than it was actually worth. And it just went down from there. I began to study law because I couldn't understand how this possibly could happen. And I had to study real estate, consumer, contract and securities law, which is something that most law firms don't do all of those things. And it's real important that you understand all of those things and how they're intertwined together in order to be able to see the whole big picture. And that was where where, um, I couldn't find an attorney to represent us in this whole situation. What I found out, and it just appalled me, was I found out that over 85% of the county land records and the information in it since 1999 is inaccurate because the lenders were backtracking and trying to replace documents that were destroyed by law. They had to destroy them when they securitized those loans and put them into the loan pools. They were no longer a negotiable instrument anymore, and they were now uh, a security on Wall Street, so they had to destroy all those documents. But in order to foreclose on people, they needed to be able to produce those documents. So they had companies such as LPS. Um, I believe their CEO is in, is in jail right now who testified that she fabricated, her company fabricated hundreds of thousands of documents. That means that all of these documents were recorded in county records. That means 85% of the documents out there, over 80 million titles, are inaccurate. And once that document has been filed or that title has been clouded, and it could have happened way back three owners before you, once that title was corrupted in, in whatever way or securitized, put into a loan security or whatever, whatever the circumstance might be, and it varies, um, everything thereafter is clouded. There is no, it is impossible for you to get a legal, legal title to your property. And it could have happened, you know, like I said, four, four or five owners before
0: you. So basically people are buying properties that they never own. That's exactly right. They're paying a mortgage every month to a property that they actually
1: legally do not own. How is that even possible in the field of law? Well, when it comes down to it, there's actually two, to understand the whole thing, there's two sides to a real estate transaction. There's the title, which is the deed of trust or mortgage. And then there's the promissory note. Technically, those two should never, ever be separated. But what was happening when you get a title policy, you know, you go through the whole closing and they do the title research and the abstract and all that kind of stuff. The title company is only addressing liens and encumbrances on the title of the land. They're not touching anything that's going on with robo-signing or securitization or the fact that MERS was involved or an illegal foreclosure or the fact that they were, the, you know, the, the lenders started filing fraudulent or,
0: you know, misleading information. They don't look into that kind of stuff. So title companies, even if they do what they're doing, will never know what you found out. Absolutely. They may know, but they don't do
1: anything about it because they don't research that side of stuff. And when they write a title policy and they do find something, they insure around it. They will never fix the problem. They will insure around it, which basically protects the title company. What does that mean? Well, what they'll do is they will put, uh, in our circumstance, the title company came back after four hours of sitting in a room waiting for them to come back. They said, well, you do not have legal access to to your property. I said, well, yes, we do. Yeah, we do. We, there's three driveways on this road that lead right there into it, you know? And they said, no, I'm sorry, you don't because there's this 12 foot no man's land that goes across the top of my property. Okay, fine. But don't worry. It's never been an issue. We've researched it back 30 years. No problem. We will put an exception in your policy that you're aware that you don't have legal access. And we said, "Oh." Okay, Okay, whatever, we know maybe on later on, we'll go down and we'll do a, you know, a quick claim deed and get that piece of property that means nothing to anybody but us, you know, and make it legal. But we never, it never came out to that. But what they did is they basically insured around it. They would insure everything else, but that if that was ever an issue. Oh my God. Yeah, so we learned a lot about title (laughs) at that point.
0: We learned, um, we learned that- it didn't cover much of anything. So what does this mean to you now in terms of the revelation of the real estate market? If you were giving sage advice to people that were buying their first home, what would you tell them? I would say you find somebody and you have to make sure
1: that this person knows what they're doing because there's a lot of people out there that do not. Um, that is has been an issue that's been coming to light uh, more recently. Um, You need to get someone who actually will research the actual financial side of the documentation, not just the title and the the, uh, liens and encumbrances, because that will not cover you. You have to make sure that you will be able to get, or that person that's selling it to you has legal title themselves, because most likely they don't, because they're not aware of it. This is like an infection, isn't it? It's like a viral infection. Big time. Well, it's also not ha- having to do with the fact that the title or the property has been sold. It also has to do with modifications because they redo things with modifications. It has to do with um, filing new documents when they do the buy down of their interest rate or something, or they do a settlement for a much smaller amount and then refinance it is what they'll do. Now, it, anything, any anything that has to do with the title will affect what happens with it as far as its clarity. So, I mean, like I said, two, two, three, four owners ago, depending on how many times this title has had something done to it, back when it, the very first one was when it was very first clouded. Now, MERS started in 1999. So most of the loans that were written were in MERS as a beneficiary.
0: Explain what a clouded title is to an audience that may or may not be familiar a
1: clouded title is true and
0: legal action,
1: um, ownership of property. When the property has undergone something, in this case, um, you'll have a securitization. In 2000, 1999, 2000, when they started securitizing loans, they started a company called MERS. When they started securitizing the loans, what they were doing is they were taking all of these notes that they were funding and they would put them in a loan pool. And then that loan pool will be turned into a security and it was sold to investors behind the scenes. So you really never knew who the person you were actually lending the money from. They did it in the name of MERS, which was like a front man, that kind of Wizard of Oz hiding the guy behind the, the curtain there. So when they did that, the minute it went into a securitization situation, it was no longer a negotiable instrument that you signed at your
0: closing. And explain what a negotiable instrument is. I just want you to bring them back a little bit because you're way far advanced out there. Tell the audience what a negotiable instrument is and what it means.
1: A negotiable instrument is the contract that you write to say, I'm going to be paying for this. Your promissory note is a, con- is a, is, is a contract. It is a negotiable instrument it tells the parameters of what you're what you're lending how the you know the terms all of that stuff it's the contract basically to the funding of your property now when that contract or the promissory note is sold into these securities it is no longer a negotiable instrument, or contract, because it is no longer between you and the person or the originator or whoever was the lender on record at the county at the time, because that's who gets filed is the lender on record. In a lot of cases, it's an originator. It's not even a lender. It's someone that is representing some lender somewhere, somewhere that they had came up with all this money and they decided to put them all the all these loans in together and fund a whole bunch of loans. So they don't even actually.
0: Give you the money. It's all a paper chase. It's the confiscation of the entire industrial complex of real estate, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a scary thing when you think that, you know,
1: you go in there, people, this is the biggest investment that people will make in their lives. Most people will never do anything bigger. And to be able to go in there and honestly put your money down and honestly, you know, think you're going into your dream home like we did and to only be have, you know, the wizard behind the, behind the curtain, do all this other stuff on the, on the background that we didn't know what was going on because you don't know what's going on. It's not reflected in, in, in county record. And that's where the problems start to begin because Nothing is, the the true chain of title, what happens in that chain should never be broken. It should go from the start to the next person, to the next, next thing that they did, whether they assigned it to somebody else. There should be a perfect stream from one person or place to the next. In our case, this large bank that came in and took our property, there was no assignment There was no documentation whatsoever that had anything with their name on it, nothing. They happened to be familiar with the fact that the
0: lender that I was using, which turned out to be an originator, and I didn't know. And say what an originator is for people that don't know. An originator is someone who will
1: act on behalf and do all of these loans on behalf of a private investor behind the scenes that you don't know who it is. They originate the loan.
0: Doesn't it feel like the instant anything has been securitized, all hell breaks loose in real estate? Absolutely, 100%. I think the idea and the
1: concept behind MERS was good when they initially started it, but I think they didn't think it through. I think that it was abused, and I think that it was something that just got way out of hand, and it was too easy to to hide behind By studying law, I found out or I learned that the only way to legally clear a title that has had something happen to it, like I said, all the things I've mentioned earlier, the only way to clear it would be through a court action, which is a quiet title action. That is the only way. It has to come down from the court that says that this title... We understand that there is a problem with this title. We understand there may be unknown entities. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but there is a very good possibility that there will be litigation and question involved with this title at a future time. That is grounds for a quiet title. It's a suspect that there may be a problem. And if there's grounds for that, then a quiet title is... Anybody in their right mind to
0: protect their ownership and their investment should absolutely do a quiet title action. You have a very different remedy, though, than Dave Krieger, who wrote the book Clouded Titles. Talk about your remedy and what you've been called upon to produce and to create.
1: Now, what my process is, is we go in and we
0: investigate, find out exactly
1: where the problems are. If there is problems, there may not be. There may be, there are, you know... 15% 15% of the property out there that isn't, you know, it doesn't have a problem. However, 85% of the pro- the cases do. And what the property, what our, our process does is we go and we investigate it. Then we we, we deal with the, the current owner as it stands right now and says, yes, there are issues here. We will find, there is a potential for some problems later on. You do not and have not gotten legal title to the, your property. At that point, They're going to decide whether they do it or not. They decide whether they want us to proceed with a quiet title action. We have a network of of licensed attorneys that handle this specific thing. And then it goes through the whole title process. At the end, they get a court order. When they get this court order, they have a completely clean title that is true, that is clear, which will be recorded in county record, which will begin to start to clear all of those county records that are inaccurate. So it's basically a do-over. It's basically a new clean slate. Everything starts new and there are no risks and there's nothing that anything can jump up and get you behind there. And there's nothing that a, a previous owner can come after you
0: at. So explain a little bit more because I'm unfamiliar. Some people have not been through the whole process in the United States that you're describing. Well, you know what? South
1: Africa is having a problem with this right now. But you want to know what? South Africa is looking at what the United States is doing with this. They have stopped it dead in its tracks, which I'm impressed with South Africa, to be honest with you, to to do something over and above, because it's, you're talking a third world country here that's, that's tweaked that there's a big problem here, you know,
0: before the United States is doing that. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. We are living in one of the most exciting and dangerous times in history. Many of us are being challenged to turn away from parasitic systems of enslavement and misery and move into different life-giving activities, commercial opportunities, and communities. Transition is upon us right now. The seizure of the world's natural resources, the poisoning of our food, water and air, and the total electronic surveillance of our lives is forcing many of us to develop new rules of engagement for being in the world. Doing business today is way more complex and nuanced. The electronic age is a mixed bag. If you want to live in a more humane world. Don't confuse electronic communication with real relationships, or knowing who your neighbors are, or how they're doing, or the importance of sitting down with your family and having meals together. This is real life. Practically everything we've been indoctrinated to believe about life and work is out of touch with what's available to us today. New discoveries about non-locality and consciousness are not only mind-boggling, they are game-changers that require us to embrace paradox and ambiguity. Beings and agencies that insist on using deceptive practices, protocols, and instruments for market and industrial domination will eventually realize they are at the tail of a riveting new industrial complex of markets, projects, and products that they never perceived. This new complex is emerging. Receptivity is a human imperative. Imagination is an agency of transport. The current behind the currency matters. And our children and future generations are counting on us to prepare the way for them. I'm Kim Greenhouse. I'm the chief executive officer of the Rainmaking Company, a manifestation agency, a leadership agency, and a development agency. Feel free to call for our rainmaking services, both on an advisory and development level, 626-398-8652. And back to the show. It seems to me that the real estate agents, the brokers, and the title companies, including the appraisers, have no clue that this is deep inside the entire real estate industry. You know, it's kind of sad.
1: I talked with a a friend of mine I went to high school with, and he is a bank president. He started a bank um, down in Florida. And when I was trying to explain this to him, he said to me, You know, I heard something about that, and I know it's come up in a couple of the meetings that I've been to, but I don't think that affects us because we're a small bank. It affects absolutely
0: everybody. It affects everybody. Why do you think he claimed a kind of immunity? I talked to a friend of mine who was about to go buy a house, and I said, listen to this interview with Dave Krieger. And she listened, and she went to her real estate agent, They didn't know what he was talking about. I said, go to the title people. She went to the title people and they said they couldn't help her. They didn't know what she was talking about. She totally went into trauma with what I tried to explain to her. And of course, I'm nobody from nowhere telling her about this. I'm not inside the industry. I don't know all the details, but I'm telling her, you don't understand. You need guidance now how to buy a home and it's not like how it used to be. So you could buy a home you don't even own. It's not like it was 10, 20 years ago. You have to have all these pieces to make sure you actually own the property. It was insane. Nobody she dealt with. She's buying an $800,000 home in Beverly Hills. Oh. And nobody knew what I was talking about.
1: It's crazy. It's really crazy.
0: And it is, it is so perverse
1: within every single aspect of buying or owning a home it it affects absolutely everything decisions major decisions are being made every day every day you know someone's refinancing every day a lender is opening up some um, you know i mean a bank a, ba- a bank account you're opening up a bank account you you know you've got your information going into into a lender you get insurance you get i mean it's so perverse in, ingrained in absolutely everything And it affects everything, and nobody realizes that it's happening. But it's not something we can stick your head in the sand. It's not something that
0: can continue. It just can't continue. Now, you said, I think it was either around 75% or over 75% of the properties in the United States are clouded.
1: Dave Krieger is in the process right now of working with several counties and doing these county audits and what we're finding and i believe there's four of them on my website where i have actually have the actual results of the audits and they're all basically the same and they're all finding out that 75 to 85% of the information in those records is corrupted it's been planted it's been put there to, to, to benefit the foreclosure person the the foreclosure lender or whoever's doing that work Documents have been filed by these, by these foreclosure mills saying that they are, they know firsthand that this is, that this person has defaulted on their loan, which in reality, of course, they don't. That was
0: one of the cases that we had with ours. Talk about your case and talk about what happened with the judge. I want the audience to hear what happened to you on a judicial level. Well, We wound
1: up that our property was zoned commercial. All the buildings were in the county right of way. We were in such a severe floodplain that it was in a flood way, which means that if anything ever happened, like the drunk driver hitting the wall or whatever, we could never, ever have a permit pulled to repair it. Um, We had buildings five feet over the property line. We had septic systems up next to a 24, a year round creek. Um, I mean, it was, there was nothing legal about the property. It should never, ever have had a residential loan put on it because it was owned commercial. When we found that out, we had intended on on building a, 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 a larger home further back in the property because this little house was right on the mountain road. And when we found out when the drunk driver hit the property, we were not able to pull any permits to put a wall in. And that's when we learned everything. And it was six months after we bought the property. And at that point, we were dead in the water. And our arm mortgage that we took out because it was supposed to be rolled over into a construction loan went all the way up to 16.25%. And then when I started, to, because it was an arm mortgage and nobody would refinance a commercial piece of property. Now, the reason why it was listed as a commercial piece of property in county record was because it was being taxed as a residential property. It had nothing to do with its actual zoning. This is so complicated, isn't it? It blew me away. It was so overwhelming. We just, we, I just, we sat there and just said, this cannot possibly, why didn't the title company pick up any of this? Why is this, none of, why did none of this come out? But you know what? The title companies are using those very same records to write policies. That's where they're getting their information from. So you've got the banks on one end inputting all this fraudulent documentation or not putting any documentation in at all, which will cause breaks in the chain. You've got title companies using that information and giving title policies that won't cover you for absolutely anything. It's not their fault that the the county records were wrong. And that's where we found ourselves. So I got very angry and I went to over 15 different law firms and I said, please, I need help to do this. They're trying to steal my home. And I could not get anybody that really understood the situation as much as I did because I began to really dive in and study law. And I got into it. I was so mad. I didn't know what to do with the anger. So what I did is I had to redirect it because I didn't want anybody ever to have happened to them what happened to us. I mean, it devastated my family. We are still, my children are still feeling the effects of what had happened by having their home ripped out from underneath them and yanked out of their schools and everything because
0: some bank came in and stole our home.
1: They didn't understand that.
0: Would you also tell the audience what happened with the judge? I think that's extremely instructive and important. What is going to describe to you all is a form of judicial corruption that she encountered. Go ahead, Donna. When I went
1: to, in Colorado it was a non-judicial state. What that means is that in order to foreclose, you do not have to have a hearing. Whereas in judicial states, you do. I believe Florida is a judicial state. With that being said, I contested. All of a sudden, this bank came in and said, well, you know, we own your own and um, we're not refinancing. And your, lo- your mortgage payment that went from $1,400 a month to $3,200 a month, oh, well, you need to owe us. You you owe us that money. I don't care what happened to you. It's irrelevant to us. So I said, wait a minute. First of all, let me find out. I needed to investigate our chain of title. And when I went to the county and I said, okay, how in the world did this bank get my property in the first place? Because I knew that we were paying our original owner, our original lender. So when I went down to the bank, to the county records, I saw that the original lender was still on there. There were no assignments. There was no transfers. There were no endorsements. There was no nothing that had this bank's name on it. Well, it turned out that the bank, my bank, had gone under, bankrupt. And when they went under, it was this other bank that was trying to take my property that I can't, unfortunately, name. Can I name them? (laughs) You can, if you want I guess. I don't know.
0: Was it HSBC or one of those big, bad banks? Something like that? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, a bad one. And there's many. That's right. So so what happened
1: was, is I, I filed a thing with the court saying, hold on, I'm contesting this. This is, this is not right. Hold on. These people do not own our property. They do not own my note. So I go to the Rule 120 hearing, and the Rule 120 hearing is basically a useless piece of judicial whatever um, that basically asks two questions. Are you in default, and have you paid your mortgage? No, I'm not in default. Yes, I've paid my mortgage. And then the attorney for the bank says, no, Your Honor, she's wrong. She has not paid her mortgage, and she is in default, and we are filing foreclosure. And I says, Your Honor, this bank has nothing to do with my loan. I do not owe them one red cent. And they said, Your Honor, we have documentation just not with us today in court. And the judge believed them over me. What did he he say? I begged the court for a hearing. I said, I beg the court, please, please make them, compel them to produce these documents because I've never seen them. And they refused to give them to me. Please, your honor, please, will you get them to show you this documentation because I don't believe it exists. He didn't and he blew us off and he ordered the sale of our property. So what happened was, is I filed a lawsuit in federal court representing myself again because I couldn't find an attorney that would help me. I figured no, no guts, no
0: glory. You know, what were they going to do? Take my house away? <laughs> God love you. God love you. Seriously. Woo! You are awesome. Awesome, awesome. Go on. Well,
1: I figured they were taking it already. So what, was I,
0: what did I have to lose?
1: I didn't have anything else to lose. So why not? You know, I'm going to go down fighting. So I filed this 23-page document of complaint against this bank, and they showed up in court, and they were so nasty, and they told the court that I had no business being there, that I was wasting the court's time, that I didn't know what I was doing, that I'm wrong, that they are going to ruin me financially, and they're going to come after us and do all these horrible things, and they were going to ruin us. Well, that was a kind of a scary thing when you know that you've got this large bank and these attorneys that are being very high paid and it's like you and you've never been in court before and you're trying desperately to learn everything and inhale every single bit of information and do the procedures properly. And oh, it was, a, it was overwhelming. It was just massive. But at the same time, the foreclosure had, not, had had not gone through yet. I filed a quiet title action in district court because it has to be done at the county level because it's regarding land. When I filed my quiet title, I said that there are entities, unknown entities, because I did not have to name HSBC because they were not on any documents that told me that I had to. And according to Colorado law statute, it says you have to name what is recorded in county records as as a defendant in your case. Well, I didn't name HSBC because I, by law, didn't have to, according to according to statute. So I filed my case, and I was waiting and waiting and waiting, and um, they filed, you know, I, the people, we knew that South Star funding had gone under. We knew, I had talked with the trustee for the, pre, the our, our lender on record. They sent a letter to the court telling the court, hey, you know, it's all done. Give them their quiet title, award it to them.
0: The judge turned around and awarded our quiet title. And what does that exactly mean? What does the awarding of a quiet title mean? Tell the audience. So basically what that did, I walked out of that courtroom thinking that I owned the
1: land. Now I may still owe money on that promissory note to whoever. I'm not trying to get a free house here. I do owe somebody. I just don't own that bank, this bank that's trying to foreclose. I owe somebody, but not them because they have never produced a document that said, I owe them. So what happened was thinking that I now have, I've got this, this, uh, this quiet title, um, court order saying that I, I, I own my property. I felt really good about that. I immediately went to the district court and said, your honor, This is a very overwhelming thing. I don't want to waste the course time. Um, I'm going to just dismiss this case and not. not, I'm not going to pursue this case anymore. I do not want any repercussions from this bank. The bank said, okay, we won't come after you. We won't won't come after you for legal fees or whatever. We'll just call it a wash and be done with it. Well, I'm thinking, okay, I walked out of this courthouse with my property because I just got quiet title. I just now am the legal owner of this property four hours later, four hours later, the court clerk calls me and says, Donna, the judge just vacated your quiet title action. I says, what do you mean by vacated my quiet tax? He said that he's revoking it. I said, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I'm here. I just settled, you know, this other, my other case because I'm thinking I own my property. So this didn't make any sense to me at all and it turns out I says what are the grounds? The grounds are you have to name it, name this bank. Well, no I don't. I've already proven it to the court. Nope. The the judge says you still have to. But I but that goes against that goes against against everything. It goes against Colorado statutes. Sorry, that's the way it is. Close my case and he closed my quiet title down. End of story.
0: It's like a nightmare. It's a nightmare.
1: Well, what happened was, is I never got my, my due process rights by having my, my day in court to be heard. I was never, ever afforded, the, the judge never gave me a, 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 he never notified me that they closed my case four times. He never notified me of anything. There's nothing on record. The way the whole thing was handled was so, I, I, I didn't know that the courts could do that. And I filed a complaint with, against the judge about this, and they didn't find any problems with it. <laughs> and it's like, you got to be kidding me. I'm, I'm asking for a, a hearing so that I can prove my case. Well, no. <laughs> Close your case. Goodbye. And that was the end of it. The sale went through. The sale went through. I could do absolutely nothing. I tried restraining orders. I tried everything. I tried absolutely everything. And I was, I, I didn't know what else to try. And people were saying, but that's not, that's not legal. They can't do that. Well, they did. They did. At the time, the courts didn't know about all of this at the time. We're talking 2006 when this started. The courts were not privy to all of the securitization stuff. They didn't know anything about that. It was very cut and dry because they were using law that was written when buying property was very cut and dry before securitization. The minute securitization entered into the picture, all the laws have to be rewritten everything, because they do not take into consideration the securitization of home loans into, into securities. They did not take into consideration any of it.
0: So you could be helping people very similarly and profoundly the way Dave Krieger is. Talk about your organization again and what your organization provides.
1: My organization really deals with people that are not in a situation who own a piece of property right now, they're sitting in their homes and they think that they they own that piece of property. If it was ever, if anything ever was done, a refinance or whatever, a bought or a sold or anything, from 1999 till current, there is a good possibility that that title is clouded, which means legally you don't own it, Legally, you can't sell it until it's cleared. You can't do anything with it. You're stuck. And whoever in that previous chain, if they find out that they still own that title because it happened to, their note happened to be in MERS, you know, in 2001, they never were able to sell it to you in the first place. So legally, they still have title to that property. It was never legally transferred. So there's a lot of people sitting out there that think they own their property when in reality, they do not. And I know that's a hard thing to hear and it's, it's just so hard to get your head around it. But I know it from, I know it, it happened to us. It happened to me.
0: You know, there are very few people that are at the center of this particular pulse the way you are in the entire United States of America. This has been my life since it happened, since 2000,
1: well, actually, it started in 2004 when we first found out the property was illegal. Uh, This has been my life day and night, every single minute of the day. My children think that I don't live here anymore (laughs) because this is all I do. (laughs) So it's really horrifying. And it can't continue this way. And you can't have patches put on it. You can't, you know, insure around it. You can't pretend it didn't happen. It did. It did.
0: It happened. So let's talk about your orga- what your organization is going to provide.
1: Well, we have two organizations, basically. We have ITR, which is Independent Title Review Company, which is the actual, that's the cleaner company. What we've also done is we have established a nonprofit entity, which is the ITRC registration, the registries. And what that is, is we are setting up a registry in every state that will house all the properties that have been investigated thoroughly with a very strict criteria. We We have certified title abstractors that do our work for us. They will go through the property, the, 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 the chain of the chain of title. They will establish if there are any problems or even the hint of any problems, because it, all it takes is a hint. Remember to do a quiet title action, and then they will establish that something needs to be done. And county records do not reflect what really is going on with this property. Once the title has gone through the process, it has been cleared through the courts. It is then deemed certifiable we certify it and then it goes into this registry this registry will be free to, for access to anybody in the state they can check the titles to see. Um, if you want a little bit more of an in-depth information it'll be there's a there's a membership um, fee monthly to get more information that will really dive into what was what was done. but basically you'll get a yes or a no that this pri- this title has been ITR certified or has not. If it has not been ITR certified, you have no idea what you're buying. You have no idea what you're buying. And 85% of the chance that you are not getting what you think you're buying.
0: Dave Krieger is doing the other end of this. Do you know what he's doing? Vaguely. I think it's more the aftermath, right, rather than the prevention.
1: Yeah, he's dealing a little bit more on the, on the legal side of stuff, meaning he's getting in there and actually helping people that are in foreclosure, that kind of thing. He's getting in there. He's getting in the trenches, from what I understand. I don't want to deal with any of that. This is such a massive, massive undertaking and massive problems. You're talking about records that have been corrupted since 1999, you're talking about problems that are deep ingrained in every county registry. It's terrible. What we will do is we will take, okay, you've got to start somewhere. We take what is there now, where the title is now, who's got the legal title, because whoever is owning, owns the title right now, right or wrong, Who, people who think they own their title, right or wrong, whoever is listed, the last person in county record, that's where we need to start. And then we move forward from there because you, you will never, ever, ever, ever get through all of the stuff that happened in every single title since 1999. It will never happen. You just, we just, we just pick a point and we go forward. And that's what we're doing with the certification.
0: It's absolutely mind boggling. Oh, yeah. It's terrifying, actually. What is needed for this organization? And say the name of it again, please.
1: Which one? It's Independent Title Review Company. Independent Title Review Company repairs the titles. The ITRC registry houses the titles that have been repaired. That's the nonprofit entity.
0: Okay, and give the web addresses for them, please.
1: Okay, the web web address is www.itrcertified.com. And it will have all of this information. You will also be able to see um, I put together a very interesting thing I'm getting great response from. It's, it's kind of like the anatomy of a train wreck kind of a thing where I took a typical transaction in real estate, you know, going through the closing, the whole thing. And what, what has happened behind the scenes that and nobody knows and how it has affected the legality of that title. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty scary when you go through it.
0: Are you concerned any of these entities are going to try to stop you? No, I'm not because I don't care what they did. To be honest, well, I
1: do in reality, but I, I can't worry about what they did. I can't throw them in jail, but I can fix begin to fix
0: the damage. It's there. Going back and trying to dig it up it's not gonna help. <laughs> I think it's great. I really do. I think it's fantastic. I love what you're doing. I love your spirit. I love the fact that you have gone through alchemy and transformation to turn this around and to help people across the country, that you're just not an embittered person. I just wanna thank you for being on the show. And is there anything else you'd like to share with us? No, if you
1: have any questions with your title, um, go to the website, send us an email. We will ask you a couple of questions. It costs $399 to do the analysis with, a, with a, a legal summary at the end. Find out if you really own your property. That's really the end of it.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking with, learning from, and listening to Donna Camp. This is the revelation going on in the United States real estate market. For those of you who are getting the message that you need to know more about your properties, you now have been informed and, frankly, you've been warned. Donna, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much. It's rainmaking time. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much.